1: what's going on everybody welcome to the 2018 nfl season here on Roto grinders i am Britt divine back with my two friends from last year from pro football focus mr scott barrett and uh tyler beaker uh scott i'm gonna start with you uh dude it's been nine cold months without any dank stance from you uh i hope you're gonna bring the heat this year
2: yeah man i definitely missed you and and really happy and excited dfs and and uh regular season football is
1: back yeah it is uh Tyler uh you guys have been uh very busy over at PFF we're going to show you some of the stuff behind the scenes there in a little bit that they got working uh behind the paywall but uh welcome back Tybo I, I noticed uh no more glasses for Tyler had the little lasers in his eyes all uh, looking pretty slick there today Tyler
3: yes yeah, successful LASIK surgery hoping to uh, dial in here with
1: some uh red hot fire takes uh in this 2018 season Is it true? So I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm going to be the guy that they mess up, right? Like I wear contacts. (laughs) I have glasses. No one ever sees me in my glasses uh, on the shows, but don't they just like suck your eyeball out and then they hit it with a laser and it does everything. How how does that feel?
3: It happened in like 10 minutes. It was very disorienting. (laughs) Uh, I was just so happy that it was over very quickly. Um,
1: They do zap you, but it doesn't hurt at all. All right. Maybe maybe I'll have to look into this uh, and go to Canada, correct, to get the discount in Canada for that? Something like that. (laughs) All right. So uh, anyway, guys, so what we're going to do here, uh, we're changing uh, one small format up. Uh, So Scott uh, was the creator of Actual Opportunity over at Pro Football Focus. We're going to give him his little segment uh, to talk about that every year, and we're going to keep kind of our stud, dud, and a value play from each of the positions, uh, if you were used to it last year. That's what we're going to be doing. Uh, so, Tyler, without further ado, let's kick it off with you, my man, right? So our start of the week, we've got a quarterback with a, a running back. It looks like they're going to give about 500 touches to per game, apparently. Uh, he's got his tight end back. He's got a rookie-wide receiver that looks very athletic. Uh, you're coming out of the gates firing Cam Newton at home against Dallas. Uh, why do you like him so much
3: Yeah, it's 2018, and it still feels like people tend to underrate the rushing ability of these quarterbacks. Um, Despite Newton being a dreadful thrower, he's finished as a top-five fantasy quarterback in every season where he's played 16 games. The guy just puts up fantasy points uh, through his legs, and I'm chasing that 100%. He's never had more weapons at his disposal, as you just alluded to. Dallas allowed the third-most passing touchdowns last year, and they're going to return many of the same familiar faces in the secondary. I think it's definitely a point we should be targeting early in this season. Uh, The only thing we really need to worry about is a possible sluggish pace. Um, Both the Panthers and the Cowboys are kind of slow in that regard, but I think
1: there's a lot of fantasy points for Newton to have in this matchup. You read my mind. I was going to counter you. Now, normally we have our (laughs) show sheet, and last year we wrote everything down, right, because we wanted to be good with our stats. We're doing a little bit more off the cuff. I was going to come at you. Are you worried at all about that pace, do you think Cam – He's going to get his yards on the ground. He's got all these weapons. This Dallas offense, I think it could splutter out real hard. If they get behind and they got a pass, it didn't really look good in this preseason. doesn't look like you're too worried about the slowdown.
3: No, so I've been trying to up my game as an analyst and trying to poke holes in my own arguments. So I was ready for you there, Britt. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll <laughs> see, yeah, I we, got. I we'll agree see. That we could see a lot of trouble with this Dallas offense. A lot of three and outs, giving the Panthers a lot of time on offense. And Newton just... Is a guy that picks up fantasy points in a myriad of ways, rushing and throwing. And those are guys that I like to target.
1: Yep. Uh, his ownership's probably going to be uh, somewhat low too. Quarter- quarterback ownership uh, never really gets too high because you kind of you make your lineup around the quarterback, pair him with a receiver. Um, but pretty good options uh, for Cam Newton. I like that call. Uh, Scott, one for you here, right? He's got uh, uh, Alvin Kamara, right? Is he is Kamara going to be the workhouse? We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, when Tyler gets to running backs. Uh, but it looks like you got Drew Brees, and uh, I'm going to count on you right now. Are you worried the game gets so out of hand that they're just like, Mike Gillisley, take 20 carries in the second half? I mean,
2: that's something to consider, but I, I don't know how worried I am about that. And you also have to remember, when a game is a blowout, mm-hmm. uh, chances are, especially given the lack of depth at the running back position in this one, Uh, that Drew Brees was the one who was scoring all of these points. To be honest, I'm not really in love with any of these stud quarterbacks. Uh, But if forced to choose, I'd pick Brees for tournaments. He has the highest implied point total this week. It's a home game. Tampa Bay was a bottom 12 defense against quarterbacks last year. They don't seem much better this year. They have a single... Uh, best matchup to play wide receivers against last year. So, you know, Michael Thomas is an easy stack. You like to see that. And like we're we're saying, the Saints only have two running backs on the team, Alvin Kamara and Mike Gillisley. Gillisley just joined the team, likely doesn't know the full playbook. Kamara, meanwhile, should see a massive uptick in usage relative to what he saw last year. Uh, And he's also a great stacking option. You have to remember that 40% of his touches – came via the pass last year, and 62% of his fantasy points came via the air. So, you know, if he's scoring points, chances are uh, Drew Brees is going to be rock, racking up uh, a lot of points, using him as an extension uh, of the run game.
1: Yeah, I love it quite a bit. Uh, a little bit of a game stack. Not so much on Mike Evans running it back. I'm mixing in O.J. Howard. I'm mixing in some Chris Godwin or Deshaun Jackson, if you're trying to make a game stack. Uh, Evans is going to have a pretty tough one-on-one matchup. Don't like him after the catch too much. Uh, either but uh, I I like that call on this one quite a bit and uh, I'm seeing deja vu here Tyler between you and Scott's value quarterback Uh, looks like you both have the same one Uh, so let's talk is this the year of the Browns Tyler uh we'll see about that. Hard Knocks wasn't very <laughs> inspiring for that.
3: But we do both agree that Tyrod Taylor is a great play this week. I think he's great for cash. He's a guy that I'm definitely going to be targeting there. It's a home game here versus Pittsburgh. Tyrod looked really sharp in the preseason, completed over 70% of his dropbacks. He's the picture-perfect model of Rich Rebar's Konami Code quarterback. And he's a player that Rich noted in his worksheet that he has scored at least 15 points in 30 of 43 starts over the past three seasons with Buffalo. And that was with the dreadful Bills squad. Now he has a plethora of targets at the short to intermediate interval with Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Duke Johnson. Uh, he's just my ideal cash quarterback at the moment, and a guy that I have really had uh, trouble trying to pivot
1: off of. Um, Scott, I don't know if this was you. You, po- you post so many hashtag dank stats throughout the week, Scott. It was me. Uh, yeah, with, with the zone coverage, was that you? Yeah, and I, yeah. I've improved upon it. All right, let's get let's get in on this here because uh, the, you, Scott, if you don't follow Scott on Twitter. It's uh, at Scott Barrett DFB. There's so many good nuggets that he gets out. Sometimes pro football focus even yells at him for giving out too much stuff uh, for free because they want to keep it behind the paywall sometimes, but his account's so good. You got to follow him. Uh, talk to me one more about the zone that Pittsburgh plays.
2: Yeah. So I, I know you're going to reference that, the, the tweet I had from a few days ago, but that actually isn't a good stat because I only looked at Tyrod Taylor as a passer versus man in zone coverage. And we have to remember that, you know, a, a lot of his fantasy potential comes on the ground and uh, quarterbacks average 8.8 yards per carry against man coverage and 6.9 against zone coverage. So that stat is, is basically incomplete. So, what I did was I looked at it on a fantasy point per drop back basis, which I think is a lot better. So, Pittsburgh ran a zone defense on 80% of their defensive plays last year that ranked second most over the past three seasons of 32 qualifying quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor ranks fourth in fantasy points per drop back against zone defenses, and he ranks 27th best against man defenses. So fifth worst, that's a crazy split. That's, that's mm-hmm. insanely high. Uh, also keep in mind, he ranks 12th in fantasy points per game over the past three seasons. Now he's arguably in a better situation in Cleveland. We know Kaiser had some you know, blow up games last year. Hugh Jackson likes the mobile quarterback, uh, better weapons. Uh, our buddy, Mike Clay, former pro football focus analyst uh, actually has uh Tyrod Taylor, number two in his projections this week over at ESPN among all quarterbacks.
1: That's uh that, that might be a little bit high, but yeah, I can definitely, get on <laughs> right. I think he's uh, I think he's a viable cash game quarterback. Um, you both have the same one. I want to throw all my thoughts. I'm looking at Andy Dalton a little bit, right? This Colts defense is horrible. Anyone have a 30 a second take on Dalton? And I yeah. love that call. Uh, I think that he's going to be a big part of my tournament options because I think you can
3: stack him in a numerous amount of ways and you can bring it back with the Colts. That's the fourth highest game total of the
1: week. Plenty of volume of uh, fantasy points to go around there. Um, All right. So, uh, Tyler, we'll keep it on you here. You've got a dud. And this is going to be a little uh, I don't know if it's controversial um, because you have these home road splits. But uh, Scott's also going to talk about in receivers while you want a roster Uh, the best receiver in all of football with him too. And it is possible for a receiver to have an extraordinarily big game while a quarterback kind of flops overall in fantasy. Uh, You're looking to uh, put the kibosh on any Big Ben ownership. Uh, I like Big Ben quite a bit in the passing game, especially with all the stuff going on with on Bell. Uh, What's your take on this? Yeah, Scott mentioned
3: earlier that the higher-priced quarterbacks this week aren't really enticing, and I really agree with him there. Ben's one of those guys, top six, I think, on both slates. Um, He's just got those atrocious home-road splits that are well-known at this point. He's going to be without Le'Veon Bell this week, likely, and uh, that's a player that commanded over 18% of his targets. That's a lot of passing volume that goes towards Bell's way, uh, keeps the chains moving, keeps the offense on pace. Um, I'd rather just have Antonio Brown on on his own and spend elsewhere at quarterback. Um, I don't know. We have a full 16 game slate here. There's no real need to force a quarterback if you're not really in love with it.
1: 12 games for the main slate. They keep taking okay. every night, every week. It's like, we're going to take another game away from you, but it's 12 games I think for the main slate. Um, but on that uh, Scott, your dud, uh, you know, it's always dangerous uh, to put a, uh, you know, a dud tag on uh, what's his danger, Russ danger, Wilson. Um, Cause he, he's just, he's so good, but we've got an 85% Doug Baldwin, who's going to be covered uh, by a really good cornerback. He's going into Denver, and nobody wins in Denver early on in the season here. Um, so I think you have a lot of stuff to back this up on Russell Wilson.
2: Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head. We're getting 80% of Doug Baldwin. Tyler Lockett's dealing with a toe injury. A 34-year-old Brandon Marshall, who's been one of the least efficient receivers in the NFL over the past two years. Uh, a tight end one in Nick Vanette with 15 career receptions, a bottom five offensive line and they're traveling to Denver. He just looks like a value trap to me, the 14th highest priced quarterback on DraftKings, but you know, there's clearly a lot of risk. Uh sure, definitely some some uh high ceilings here, but it's uh the second lowest implied total on the slate, only Buffalo Is worse, and of course, Buffalo is worse. (laughs) Um, But I I did want to add that I I do like your call of Andy Dalton. I also like Joe Flacco a little bit as some other value plays. Uh, Buffalo and Indianapolis uh, were the two least efficient defenses and generating pressures against opposing quarterbacks this preseason. Also, ranked bottom five last year in the regular season as well.
1: You can make cases for just about every, you you know, when you make your lineups, you got to tell a story, right? Your lineups need to tell a story. I can tell a story with just about every quarterback except Nathan Peterman. I can't figure out a story (laughs) for him where he's going to come out with today, but uh, maybe like a a one Russell Wilson if I'm making a lot of teams, um, but I'm kind of with you. I don't really have a lot of Russell Wilson right now. Uh, So Scott, uh, real quick, uh, we've got to get the show going a little bit here. So every week, Scott is so good at Pro Football Focus with actual opportunity and all the other stuff, all the stats that he tweets out and all the articles he does behind the scenes. Uh, We want to kind of give him his own segment to feature uh, the actual opportunity. We're calling it Opportunity Knocks. Uh, So, Scott, give uh, give me in about 30 seconds to a minute uh, what this is and what people can expect in here going forward as the season progresses.
2: Yeah, so actual opportunity is a stat I came up with. Uh, it's basically expected fantasy points, so it measures how good a player's volume is. We're looking at running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Remember, volume is uh, a lot more important, a lot uh, stickier, a lot more predictable for fantasy than anything efficiency, or even raw fantasy points if you're looking at my correlations. Uh, what we're doing is we're over an 11-year sample of play-by-play data. We're looking at every target. Uh, by distance from the end zone and depth of target, every carry by down and distance and distance from the end zone. And we're looking at the average, a.k.a. expected fantasy points, a perfectly average player would have scored. So last year, Le'Veon Bell, easily the best volume of any player. Um, And it wasn't particularly close. Uh, Todd Gurley was actually a little behind Ezekiel Elliott, but he thrived on efficiency, a good stat for you. Uh, That's related to one of the players I'll be talking about in just a little bit, Melvin Gordon. So he played in every game last year, but he was on the injury report six times. If you exclude all six of those games, he averaged the same amount of expected fantasy points per game as Todd Gurley did last year. So really tremendous volume when he was healthy. And then that dropped by about like five or six expected fantasy points per game when he was dinged up and on the injury report.
1: Yeah. So uh, just all kinds of stuff. Uh, what else you got on Gordon? I'll stick with you here uh, for running backs. What else makes this matchup so good? Um, we'll, we'll get Melvin Gordon, your stud uh, running back of the week out of the way here.
2: Yeah. So I think this is going to be the cheapest he'll be all year in what is a good matchup. Although I can say that for a num- number of running backs like Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, but uh, so use that stat. I th- so I, I think volume's going to be better than a lot of people Uh are anticipating and what it was last year. Also, uh, Chargers coach Anthony Lynn told Dan Graziano of ESPN mm. earlier in the offseason that one of his biggest regrets in his first year was not getting Gordon more work in the passing game. So I do see number of targets uh, increasing this year. That offensive line looks much better with Pouncy as the center and Lamp returning from injury. Uh, there's a 26-point implied total. Uh, yeah, I think he just smashes, and he's a great value.
1: Yeah, I think he's a great play. The problem is I want to roster like 25 running backs on DraftKings this week, Tyler. So uh, your stud is another one of them. Of course, we got Alvin Kamara. Every running back, right? Jonathan Williams, I, I paid up to get him on some of my waivers. He's now irrelevant. Uh, I wanted to get in the Scott Fishbowl. I paid some money for Boston Scott. Boom, he's gone. They re-signed Mike Gillisley. He probably doesn't know the playbook like Scott said. Like Kamara's got to get 20 to 25 touches in this game. I just don't see any way around it. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a lock to rack up a ton of touches and potentially touchdowns. Whole matchup
3: here against the Buccaneers, one of the highest game totals of the week. The Bucks defense allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing backs last year by being beat on the ground and through the air. They allowed the second most touchdowns to opposing running backs. And I think Kamara could rack them up in spades this week, with the Saints implied for a 29.5 game total. Uh, our DFS lineup optimizer actually has Kamara with the highest raw projected fantasy points among all players. Um I think it might be bold, but I'm not worried about Mike Gillisley coming in to spell him whatsoever. I think they're going to feed Kamara until his legs fall off. He's at 215 pounds. He's set up for an every-down roll. And I think the only time they'll ever take him off the field is when he's gassed after putting up back-to-back-to-back
1: 15-yard runs. Uh, and then Mike Gillisley scores the two touchdowns, and we all tilt our faces <laughs> off Sunday afternoon. Uh, I can already see that happening. Uh, but I'm in agreement with you. Alvin Kamara is a great play. There are so many good players. Christian McCaffrey, I like Melvin Gordon. I like Leonard Fournette. Uh, you can just go on and on. You really can't go wrong with any of the high-priced running backs. Uh, I think this week, um, Scott, you, you've already thrown Le'Veon Bell in the grave. He doesn't exist to you. Uh, you don't think this is going to work out week one? Uh, looks like one of your value plays uh, is going to be James Conner. Right, he's forty-five hundred. Everybody's going to be using Rex Burkhead. We're waiting on Sony Michelle. So this is something I'm struggling with myself right now. Do I play James Conner, who's likely going to be in the uh, every-down workhorse role? Or do I roll the dice a little bit with Burkhead in what should be a really high-scoring game? We'll look at the green line uh, from PFF um, from the elite package here. It really likes New England to score a ton of points uh, when we get to that in a little bit here. Um, But uh, why so high on Connor so fast?
2: Yeah, so uh, he was our highest-graded running back this preseason. Uh, He had 19 carries, 100 yards, a touchdown, five missed tackles forced to 5.3 yards per carry. Uh, also seven receptions and seven targets for 61 yards. And he didn't really play that many snaps. He was just used as a bell cow. And that's exactly what we've seen in the past when Le'Veon Bell has ma- missed time. His primary backup has averaged 22.4 fantasy points per game across the 11 games he's missed since 2015. That's top three fantasy running back numbers. Uh, D'Angelo Williams, his workload was nearly identical to Bell's when Bell missed time and he was on the team. Uh, and his preseason workload has been very Le'Veon Bell-Cow-esque. Um, seems like, you know, Tom and, Tomlin prefers his running backs to be used that way at least. Um, so I'm betting on a, a massive usage, at least relative to his price tag, and he's a guy uh, in, in lineups where I need that extra space. Uh, I'll be loading up on
1: him. This would all assume if Le'Veon Bell comes back tomorrow for something, like he gets sick of all the – uh, right. the takes on Twitter day and he just comes, shows up tomorrow. Even if they say Le'Veon Bell's limited there, you're no one's going to be playing. Here. He's not showing up. Yes. Uh, all right. So I just want to make that clear to the listeners. Um, yours. Uh, I, I talked about Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's throwing passes. Uh, some of them are going to a really good receiving running back, Joe Mixon. I like, uh, I, I was, uh, I said this about a week ago to a couple people, the Cincinnati game, their total is way too low. They're going to score a bajillion points It's starting to gain a lot of steam. I look on green line. I look at a lot of other things. The total is just rocketing up in that game. That thing might hit 50 by the time it's all done because neither one of these defenses are any good. Um, you don't have to sell me on Joe Mixon, but what's your spiel?
3: Man, I felt so sneaky thinking this Indy-Cincy game was going to be the one to target.
1: 21, and I'm just like, this is so rough.
3: <laughs> yes, I was all about it, and now I'm getting kind of frustrated that ownership's going to go through it. But it's a great play for the same reasons. They're terrible defenses. Mixon was one of my biggest draft crushes last year, and he didn't really blow it away, but he did show a lot of promising signs. He was our number 17 graded running back last year. That was better than Le'Veon Bell, better than Melvin Gordon. He averaged 17.7 touches per game. In the seven games, he saw at least 50% of the snaps. He should easily surpass that number this week. Um, the offensive line added Cordy Glenn. They added first-round center Billy Price. Indy's rush defense gave up the second-most rushing yards in the league. Um, I, Scott nailed it, though, with the obvious play being James Connor. But if Bell is a late go, I'll be pivoting all my Connor um, plays to Mixon.
1: Yeah, uh, what about Burkhead's a guy drawing a lot of steam right now in ownership. Uh, any, any takes for either of you? Yeah. I mean,
2: he's a great play. Uh, I want to make sure Sonny Michelle is out for this week uh, because, you know, either way ownership's going to be sky high, but yeah, he's, he's right up there with Connor.
1: Yeah. I think he's pretty good. Tyler, any uh, 10 seconds on Burkhead? Uh, I'm just thinking hundred percent Connor. All right. I would uh, kind of agree with that. As long as Levian Bell doesn't play. Um, all right. Let's go to your dud Scott. You've got, uh, I don't know. I think this guy's going to be used somewhat because Someone has to catch passes for the Buccaneers out of the backfield. We know it's not Ronald Jones, right? They only threw it to him, what, like 17 times in college? Uh, Are they really bringing in Jaquiz Rogers, the the third or maybe even second string running back, to catch passes uh, as they try to play catch up? Um, You're going to get the first half from Peyton Barber. Uh, I think he's going to draw some probably not reasonable ownership. Um, I don't know. What is this? If I I tell you he's 5% owned, uh, that's probably going to be a little bit too much for you, correct?
2: Uh, I actually expected him to be a little higher on than that, uh, which is probably why I wrote him up. I've heard his name mentioned quite a bit, Uh, but that's what it is. I'm not confident he's going to get uh, the receiving workload. Uh, I think Jaquiz Rogers is going to get that passing down role, and that makes him too risky when the Saints are favored by nine and a half, which is easily the biggest spread of the week. Uh, they also have one of the lowest implied point totals. I, I think they get buried and we've seen this preseason, you know, he's had 15 carries but only three targets. Meanwhile, Jaquiz Rogers, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I think has more has had more than that. Um, unless my data's off, but yeah, so, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm fading, uh, Peyton Barber this week.
1: Uh, Our projected ownership, he's a little bit higher, 6.85. Somehow we don't just have 7%. We have exactly 6.85%. Don't ask me how that works, uh, but we've got our ownership uh, up in there. So about 7%. I don't know. Maybe that's just a a smidge too high for my liking as well. So I'm kind of on board with you, Scott. Uh, And then we'll go to you, Tyler, to close out running back uh, as your dud. Oh, my goodness. I just lost my sheet, too. I'm losing all that things all over the place. Um, Alfred Morris, right? So he's in a little bit of a timeshare. Uh, you go into Minnesota, nobody scores in Minnesota. There's a whole thing that's been all over Twitter this week. It's like uh, all the scores are like 10, 14, 13, 7. Uh, you just can't score points as an offense when you go to
3: yeah, I, mean, I haven't heard Morris's name mentioned frequently yet, but it's still Wednesday, and the fish takes haven't really been out in full force no. yet. Um, but Morris was a popular redraft fantasy name last weekend, so we could see a lot of people think, okay, he was a popular name to pick up. Why not play him this week? Uh, it's just not the week to do it, though, against the Vikings. Very stout rush defense. They allowed the least amount of fantasy points to opposing running backs last year, second fewest rushing yards, and he's a near zero in the receiving game. There's very little purpose to rostering Morris.
1: Yeah, no, and this is not the week to play, uh, San Francisco running back roulette. Uh, we'll save that for another week. I am in complete, uh, agreeance with you on that one. So let's talk about, uh, some of the stuff going on over at Pro Football Focus. Um, you have all kinds of new subscriptions, Scott. You have the elite. You're, uh, what are the premium stats 2.0. You can see those here. These used to be like thousands of dollars. Now it's like 200. So it's a little bit more accessible to the average person. And with that, you get access to all kinds of. Uh, really advanced statistics that some of the best players use. If you don't have that type of money, um, you can get access. uh, I think it's, what is it? 40 bucks or something like that for the year. It gets you things like the grades and it gets you the quarterback matchup chart that I'm showing here. Uh, But I want to talk to you about green line on pro football focus, right? Sports betting. It's becoming a lot more prevalent in a couple of years. We're all going to be sports betting on our phones whenever we want. This is just the way society is going on here. So PFF launched, um, Looks to be what, like, uh, you know, if you want to go look at some picks on games, you could see one. Uh, I've got what looks to be one of their best picks of the week here with the Patriots. Uh, supposed to win been by, what is this, three and a half points more than the, what the market's currently giving them. Um, so I want you to explain this to the viewers out there. What kind of green line is? What goes into it? What can they learn from it? And uh, why it's such an important part of the stuff here at Pro Football Focus this year.
2: Yeah, it's a, a pick service aimed at bettors who are looking for an edge against sport books. And that's exactly what we provided last year in the pre green line era. We had uh, the lock of the week an article, Eric eager and George Charuri did uh, we went 24 and eight and one on those picks, which is really incredible. Uh, and so we decided to invest a little bit more into uh, a sports betting platform. Uh, we have all the games updated in real time with the PFF prediction for the spread, the money line, the over/under.
1: Um, and uh, are, are you screen sharing it right now? Yeah, it's up right now. I got the uh, I got the Patriots game up here. So it, your PFF is predicting a complete Patriots blowout, right? Ten and a half, uh, nine and a half points. The markets at six right now. I want you to bet the money line on the Patriots too, because. The edge on that looks pretty big. It was one of the biggest ones I saw. So I wanted to bring it up to the screen for the people.
2: That's exactly right. So basically PFF Green Line or elite members uh, can notice that pretty much our lock of the re- week looks to be the Patriots with a three and a half point differential from the market. Uh, so that's something you can bet on, but that's also really important for fantasy as well. You know, uh, when Vegas sets lines, They don't do it because they think this is the outcome of the game. They do this because this is how they think people are going to bet it. Mm -hmm. It's why for each of the past nine seasons, uh, Dallas has failed to cover on Thanksgiving. They just know Dallas fans just bet on their team on Thanksgiving every single year. And so ours, I think are a little bit more accurate. So I'm going to notice that I'm going to know that the rest of the field isn't on this because they're still going off of Vegas data. And I'm going to have a little bit more exposure to guys like Rob Gronkowski, Chris Hogan, rex burkhead uh, and if you scroll down you know you can see uh, the the betting uh how, how people are betting at line movements you could look at recent injuries and the pff grade on those injured players you can look at snaps per game for the two teams uh so different things like that uh amazing product worth the elite subscription alone but of course when you throw in premium stats on top of that it's the it's the deal of a lifetime.
1: If you're an Excel whiz and you get the elite and you have premium stats you can do some crazy things and create all kinds of new formulas for your lineups and different correlations. you can really do some crazy stuff with the elite. Um, so I want to point out green Line and I'm telling you I'm gonna feature Green Line a lot this year so if you want to take a look at some of PFF best picks every week I'm gonna have them for you on the green line. So how does that sound Scott?
2: Sounds pretty good.
1: All right uh, Tyler, let's look at the grades. These are things I always like to Look at, and this is going to lead into a little bit of a hot take that Scott's going to have on a wide receiver because, as a whole, I'm looking at the Kansas City defense. I see Orlando Skandrick, we all know he's garbage, right? And the PFF grade backs that up. I see uh, Eric Berry, Eric Berry might not even play, he's been injured. Uh, who are they going to throw in for him? Somebody who's not as good as him. A lot of low grades all around in the passing game, except for Kendall Fuller, who came over in the Alex Smith trade from Washington. Uh, The problem is I go to the wide receiver cornerback chart, and Mr. Keenan Allen, he plays about 50% of his snaps in the slot, and Fuller is a designated full-time slot cornerback. I would imagine he's out there whenever Keenan Allen is out on there. Uh, So, Tyler, to you before I turn this over to Scott, uh, who's uh, I kind of want to start with Scott's dud, uh, which is going to be Keenan Allen. Uh, What's your overall take on this Chiefs defense and anything you notice here that we can take advantage of?
3: So this is a game that a lot of DFS players are targeting, and I think that Keenan Allen might not be the one they want to target based on that Kendall Fuller matchup, our number three cornerback from last year. Uh, But one matchup they should be paying attention to is Tyrell Williams on the outside against Orlando Scandrick. Scandrick was our number 108 cornerback out of 120 qualifying last year. He signed a two-year $11 million contract by Washington earlier this offseason. Didn't even make it to week one. He was cut. Picked up by Kansas City. Now they're trying to trot him out there. Um, I think Tyrell is a fantastic bargain bin play at just forty two hundred on DK.
1: Yeah. So uh, we got all this stuff. The wide receiver cornerback chart. I'm going to rotate a lot of the tools here at Pro Football Focus. We'll talk about their articles. There's so much stuff. It gets better every year. Um, you got to check it out uh, if you're if you just like to read football content. You're not going to find better stuff that applies to fantasy than you're going to get from Pro Football Focus. Plus, you look at all the other stuff, like, oh, if I just want to read the best fantasy football articles about what's going on in a game, you can get that at Pro Football Focus, and then you get, oh, the grades and a whole bunch of stats all thrown in on top of it. Seems like a pretty good deal, uh, so make sure to go check that out. So, uh, Scott, let's uh, well, we're going to flip it around. We're going to go to wide receiver. Let's expand on this Keenan Allen and Kendall Fuller. Let's just talk about how good Kendall Fuller was last year.
2: Yeah. He was our number three graded cornerback last season. Uh, I believe our number one graded slot cornerback. He, uh, among all cornerbacks, uh, to run something like 200, uh, to, 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 um, on 200, uh, coverage snaps, uh, he ranks second best in yards per route allowed, uh, to slot wide receivers. Uh, he's just really tremendous. And, uh, it's a tough matchup for him. So uh, I I might be pivoting towards a guy who we'll get to in a little bit uh, in the tight ends uh, section, but, um, or actually, no, sorry. I got confused. Um, But yeah, that's a tough matchup as is Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore in a likely shadow situation as is Deandre Hopkins against Bill Belichick, who has, uh, you know, extensive history of taking away an opposing players uh, number one uh, offensive player.
1: Yep. Um, I, I want to ask you too. With um, Matt Patricia going to the Lions, how are we going to apply that? The Lions aren't on the main slate, but they do play on Monday night. Do we think that's going to apply to the Lions? Are they going to try to focus now? They're playing the Jets, right? Like, do you really have to take away the number one option? Who really knows, right? But as DFS progresses, do you think that's something we're going to have to note with the Lions. See what they do. They try to lock down Robbie Anderson week one, right? And the other people go off, or do they play it a little different? This is something I am interested. In. It's a good idea. Oh, um, yeah, I'll have see on that. Um, so that was Scott's dud. He's a little low on Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen currently projected to be the highest-owned wide receiver. So a pretty uh, solid hot take there from Barrett, based mainly on his matchup uh, with Kendall Fuller there. So we'll flip it back around. Uh, we'll go back to a stud wide receiver for Tyler. And uh, let's get into this, Tyler. So who do we have here? Oh, yes, we already t- – I talked about Andy Dalton. You talked about Joe Mixon. Uh, AJ Green, I, who, who's this guy covering AJ Green? Look at some total scrub, right? Like this is an AJ Green explosion spot. You've got John Ross keeping safeties busy on the outside; they're not going to be able to double team AJ Green. You got to worry about mixing underneath. You got a healthy Eifert at least to start the game, and we'll see where it progresses <laughs> from there throughout the season. Uh, but AJ Green's just going to have some really soft coverage. Uh, I am I'm loading up on AJ Green this week.
3: Yeah, me too. He commanded an elite wide receiver target share last year, surpassing 28%. That number trailed only DeAndre Hopkins last year. Green ran 85% of his routes on the outside. That means he'll be matched up against Pierre Desir and Nate Harrison. Both these guys ranked bottom 20 among our 120 qualifying corners last year. I think Green is a very safe cash play if you can afford him. And I really wouldn't fault anyone that wanted to lock him in
1: for 80% of their lineups as a heavy core play in tournaments. Uh, and I saw um, you, you tweeted this out earlier, but uh, it's Pat uh, at PFF that does the snaps article and both these teams really slow last year. Uh, I think it's easy to see both of these teams having large upticks in snaps this year, right? The Cincinnati offense is going to be better. Andrew Luck's back. These offenses should be clicking uh, much better than they were last year.
3: Yeah, I agree. And Frank Reich, I think is going to be a big asset for Indianapolis
1: keeping the speed up there and that, So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that game. Uh, This game opened way too low. Uh, I don't know. I think the ownership is probably – I don't know if it's going to get too high, but I'm certainly going to be contributing to the high ownership on that. Uh, Scott, your stud, uh, you tweeted out some really cool, dank stats uh, before the show here. Let's get into this. Uh, Our sheet simply says, Antonio Brown on every lineup. Uh, Expect a massive, massive game from him this week if Le'Veon Bell sits.
2: That's right. Uh, also, I just remember one more thing about Keenan Allen. Uh, mm-hmm. This preseason, it was only 20 routes, but he, he played in the slot on 70% of those routes. And last year during the regular season, it was less than 50%. It was 49.7. And I think with you know uh, Mike Williams uh, in play this year, I think he does play more up in the slot. So again, that, that Kendall-Fuller matchup might be more detrimental this year than it was last year. But uh, yeah, Antonio Brown, every single lineup, Uh, He's actually relatively cheap uh, on DraftKings compared to pricing in prior prior seasons, whether that's for the overall wide receiver one on a full slate or that's Antonio Brown himself. His his price isn't egregious by any means, and he smashes Cleveland 29.6 fantasy points per game over his last four games against Cleveland, 27.5 in his last three at Cleveland, over 100 yards in, in five of his last six against Cleveland. And so, in games with Roethlisberger active since 2014, Antonio Brown averages 7.3 more fantasy points per game and 3.0 more targets per game when Bell is out of the lineup. Uh, Terrence Mitchell, rookie Denzel Ward are not scaring me in the slightest. I think uh, you know this is this is we're going to do the same thing we did last year, which is play Antonio Brown against Cleveland, and he's going to smash.
1: Yeah, and you can take advantage of it this week. So I'm going to. Uh, I think based on this, I did have Keenan Allen, but you can have Keenan Allen. You can have Antonio Brown. You can have a stud running back. You can, you can do whatever you want this week on DraftKings for the most part. You can get a lot of stud players. You have to take advantage of this, in my opinion, because next week, Antonio Brown could be $10,000, right? Like that's what he should be in a matchup like this. So we're getting a nice discount. Uh, certainly uh, vying to enter my cash games for sure. I uh, love the Antonio Brown pick. Uh, Tyler, back to you. We'll go to a value receiver for you. Um, I wrote this up, uh, one of the best advantage matchups per the wide receiver cornerback chart, um, because Kendall Fuller, he's not in Washington anymore. He's in Kansas City, and there is nobody to play the slot cornerback uh, against Larry Fitz.
3: No, the guy that they're trying to replace him, his name is Fabian Moreau. He played just five snaps in the slot last year for Washington. I think Fitz is going to eat in this matchup against the unproven Moreau. Um, one of the things I was really looking forward to in preseason was trying to s- see if there were any wide receivers that could step up on the outside for Arizona. Nobody really did. So I think it's just going to be another year. Larry Fitzgerald, a hundred plus targets, lock him in. Uh, this matchup is a dream here against Moreau. Um, Sam Bradford, he's a guy who's heavily targeted the slot during his career, nearly 25% of his attempts since entering the league. That's a stat from Scott. Um, I, don't, I think Fitzgerald's a great play.
1: Yeah, and you also, you don't have to worry. We're not worried about Josh Norman going into the slot. I looked at all this stuff uh, on PFF. I actually wrote him up uh, for an article I did uh, for Roto-Grinders. Norman only played 6% of his snaps in the slot. I'm not expecting Larry Fitzgerald, Josh Norman matchups to really bother me at all. That might happen once or twice in the game. Uh, This looks like uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, He's just going to continue chugging along. Uh, Probably one of the bigger upside games I think he has this season based on his individual matchup. Uh, Let's go. We already talked to Scott on his dud, Uh, so let's find his value uh, wide receiver here. We're going out to Denver, and it's not uh, Doug Baldwin at 85%. We're looking at the other side of the game. Uh, I think he's 5K on DraftKings. Emmanuel Sanders now. We did get Seattle, uh, Mr. uh, Cam Jordan. Uh, He came back today. I don't know. Is he going to be fully acclimated? I don't know, but I still think Emmanuel Sanders, especially if you watch those preseason games, Scott, uh, poised for a pretty big uh, week one.
2: Yeah, so he's priced outside of – he's priced as a wide receiver four on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, He played hurt in the majority of his games last year. A lot of people forget that when looking at his numbers last year. Now he has probably the best quarterback he's had in three or four seasons. Uh, He's playing in the slot 64% of the time this preseason, as opposed to 28% last year with the emergence of Cortland Sutton. That makes a lot of sense. Remember, feeling crushed in the slot last year with Case Keenum. And Sanders has easily been Keenum's favorite target this preseason. He's comprised a whopping 43.8% of Keenum's total aimed throws. Uh, he might legitimately be the new wide receiver one on this team. Remember, he only finished seven targets away uh, from Demarius Thomas in 2016. And, and, yes, Seattle's defense is not good. Um, with Earl Thomas back now uh, in week one, they're going to be without three of their five highest-graded defenders from a season ago. If Thomas is, doesn't play for whatever reason, that's four of the five highest. And their number two in 2016 is no longer on the team. All three cornerbacks are very beatable uh he's just a smash play but again a very close call between him he and uh Fitzgerald who I like a lot as well
1: yep uh well I think the 5k Fitzgerald's a little bit more expensive uh I think uh definitely Emmanuel Sanders certainly on my radar uh we're gonna have a couple extra minutes I'm gonna throw out uh let me bring up DraftKings here I'll throw out a couple other names uh thoughts on Chris Hogan in the mid-tier anybody
3: definitely an, uh, an option this week I mean we saw that how well that he and Brady uh, orchestrated during that one preseason game where Brady played the full first half against the Eagles. He targeted Hogan and Edelman a ton. Edelman's out of the picture. It's going to see a lot of Hogan this week.
1: Yep. Uh, And then, Scott, a couple other guys that are interesting to me. Uh, We've got Kenny Stills, right? Devontae Parker's not playing. He's 4,700 on DK. Uh, What's your interest level in a guy like Stills in the mid-tier?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Amendola's uh, arguably in a tough spot. I know our wide receiver versus cornerback matchup chart disagrees, but I actually think uh, Logan Ryan is a particularly tough matchup. Um, I actually love Albert Wilson. He's, he's one of my boys. Uh, I think he's in play, although I I, I doubt he's making uh, his way onto any of my lineups this week or too many of them because of how, uh, how soft pricing is on both Mm sites. But yeah, still, he looks like the de facto Wide receiver one with Devontae Parker out. We saw Parker and Landry see massive usage last year. Landry's out of the picture. Parker's hurt. And Stills was still highly, highly productive on what was wide receiver three volume. So, yeah, uh, he's, he's a great play. There's the, that's the problem. There's a ton of great plays this week.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, Tyler, do I want to get your thoughts on this. Currently our third highest projected wide receiver per ownership. He's 3800 uh He's Keelan Cole of a Jaguars. Uh, what are we doing playing a chalk Jaguars wide receiver week one? Um, I know he's 3800 It saves you money. You don't need a $3,800 receiver this week. Uh, do you Do you agree that he should be uh, that highly owned and YRY?
3: I, I think he's at such a discount, it's hard to fade him. Uh, he's not a guy that I'm actively trying to fit into lineups now that we don't really have to, though. Uh, he was a guy that I had in a lot of my dummy lineups, but... Yes yeah like you said now there's just so much value on the slate mm-hmm. if you want to you can but the matchup's not entirely appealing against Janoris Jenkins teams run
1: heavy they don't throw a ton um, I'm not crazy about it yeah I'm kind of with you a week ago I had them penciled in do quite a few more teams than I do now um, simply because you know if we're gonna have James Conner, if we've got other things going for us I could play Emmanuel Sanders with Antonio Brown with another good wide receiver with all the good running backs that I want and, a good tight end and a good quarterback. It's just – it's very easy to put together really good lineups this week. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to have as much coal as the field. That might be something. Uh, I'm kind of with you. I'm going to be fading on. So I just wanted to throw out uh, a couple more names in the mid-tier and get some thoughts on them. Uh, Tyler, you're dud. Uh, you have Sammy Watkins in here. I want to talk about Tyreek Hill, too. Your whole thoughts on this Chiefs offense, right? San Diego at home. Really, really tough defense for anybody to have a good game on, let alone – I mean he's not a rookie, but he's kind of like a de facto rookie quarterback here uh, this week with Mahomes. maybe he makes some some mistakes uh, after that good pass rush gets to him. Um, Watkins doesn't look like he's going to be heavily involved this week
3: no I'm very into this Cindy or this uh, Los Angeles Chargers defense actually uh, like you mentioned it's Mahome's second game as a professional terrific pass rush, great secondary a lot of reasons um. How he could be, he could find himself falling behind and playing catch up, having to pass a lot, allowing a lot of pass rush opportunities for Gordon and Bosa to rack up sacks. Um, but as far as Watkins, he's just not a guy that I've wanted to target whatsoever. He caught just one of seven targets during the preseason. Um, he even, um, let me phrase that starkly contrasted to what Tyreek did, who was a perfect 14 for 14 and had that highlight, what was it a 99 yard bomb that Mahomes threw? <laughs> yeah. Um, 205 yards, that one I saw. Yeah, that went viral. Um, And Watkins, for whatever reason, has just slowed to develop a rapport here in Kansas City. It won't get any easier here against Casey Hayward, who is our number two cornerback matchup. Um, Our wide receiver cornerback matchup chart has Casey Hayward expected to shadow him this week. Uh, Hayward was a phenomenal shadow wide receiver last year. Uh, Here are some of the stats he did against number one wideouts. Amari Cooper in two combined contests went two for 18 on five targets. Demarius Thomas in two matchups went for four for 61 on eight targets. Alshon Jeffrey, one for 13. Dez Bryant, two for 19. Robbie Anderson, two for 22. There's
1: just so many receiving options. I didn't hear any number one options. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Hill's a, Hill's a guy I'm interested. Like I'm going, I'm going to play Tyreek Hill in tournaments every week, right, because he can just have the 70-yard get behind three guys at any given time, and Mahomes will get it. So I'm going to play him. I know it's a tough matchup, but I also I want to play Tyreek Hill when he is low owned, and I don't want to play Tyreek Hill when he is going to be highly owned. So I'm certainly going to have uh, plenty of Tyreek Hill this week. Yeah, he doesn't
3: draw that dreadful matchup against Hayward, which is a very beneficial thing.
1: Yes. If we have Watkins just occupying Hayward, he'll
3: have a chance to go long for a touchdown.
1: Yeah, um, and Scott already dropped the hot fire a couple of minutes ago. He uh, he does not like Keenan Allen uh, in that slot matchup against Kendall Fuller. So let's go to tight end. Let's wrap this show up. We've got the Roto World Show coming up next uh, with Crane, Lord Reeves, and Evan Silva. So uh, if you like this show, we got another one coming up that's uh, just as good uh, so, Tyler, let's start with you on tight ends. Uh, this one's pretty, you know, we have a lot of money. I think I'm going to allocate my money mostly to guys like Antonio Brown and Alvin Kamara, right? Because I know, I know those guys have a very low chance of disappointing. In my opinion. When you get to tight end, even when your name is Robert Gronkowski in a game that the green line loves and there's no other receivers for you to throw the ball, weird stuff can happen. And tight ends, even when they're priced high, can't come through, but in tournaments, I'm going to have a lot of Rob Gronkowski, right? So uh, it's a really good play. Uh, this matchup looks ideal as well.
3: Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Like, I'll never pay off for tight ends in cash games, but Gronk is a perfect tournament option. Could go absolutely nuclear here in these first four games with Edelman out of the picture. New England already has a very tight concentration of where the targets are going to be distributed, and I think Gronk should see an uptick in no matter where they are on the field, uh, but particularly in the red zone. Uh, We were asked to give some bold takes at PFF a week or two ago, and mine was that Gronk would torch his old touchdown record of 17 touchdowns and notch 20 this year. I think it starts right here in week one against the Texans defense that allowed the fourth most touchdowns to opposing tight ends last year. Uh, Both the Texans and the Patriots, they play up-tempo paces. should be plenty of volume, plenty of opportunity. I mentioned earlier that Alvin Kamara was our number
1: one projected point getter in our DFS lineup optimizer. Number two, Gronk uh scott they need to you need to fix that right antonio brown's got to be number one right uh yeah i think so but <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I, I will say, i will say i have gronk ahead of all other wide receivers mm-hmm. in my projections
1: yeah uh, on fanduel too fanduel gronk is a much better value than he is on DraftKings this week so you can actually make cash games with gronkowski pretty easily uh, i believe on fanduel um let's talk about so we just talked about the chargers defense um kind of limiting the wide receiver scott you like Gronk, obviously. How can you not like Gronk this week? It seems like a really good spot. But you also have Kelsey in here, too, to be a little bit different. What are you seeing in this matchup that's going to allow Kelsey to exploit it?
2: Yeah, again, the correct answer is Gronkowski, but uh, but I, I like Kelsey. I, I think he is quietly a great play. Um, so Kansas City has has some tough cornerback matchups. The Chargers might have the best cornerbacks in all of the NFL, um, and that's going to be tough on a rookie quarterback. I, I could see him leaning on. Travis Kelsey, who he leaned on during the preseason this year, not as much as Tyreek Hill, but still uh, pretty high for, for most, uh, I think over 20% target market share for Kelsey. Um, I also buy into the narrative that Andy Reid is one of the best at game planning with extra time to prepare for an opponent. Maybe it's just hindsight bias after week one last year when he obliterated the Patriots and no one saw it coming. Uh, So I do kind of want some exposure to Kansas city and with, the wide receivers having such a tough matchup. Uh, I do like Kelsey. Um, although I double check on uh, the health of Los Angeles' cornerbacks. I know a few guys are dinged up, but if all are healthy, that's a brutal matchup
1: uh, for the wide receivers there. Might be a tight end funnel spot. Uh, Andy Reid, didn't you do your boy Kareem Hunt dirty during the middle of the season, right? No touchdowns, not giving him the ball when he wanted it. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah. No. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised Kareem Hunt didn't make it on here. He's a bad
2: in-game manager, but he's a great you know game, game manager with two weeks out. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, we'll talk enough about Kareem Hunt, I'm sure, as the season goes on. Don't worry. Uh, let's get to v- value. Both you guys have uh, Jack Doyle in there. Uh, looks really good. Uh, I think it was Week Two. He was basically on the field for all of Andrews Luck snaps, getting peppered with the ball, ran all the routes when he was on the field. Um, kind of got Week Three off because they wanted to see what they had with Eric Ebron. Uh, Doyle's 3,600 on DraftKings. Luck's not throwing deep. He's throwing all these little checkdowns. And you also don't beat Cincinnati deep. You beat them kind of with the checkdowns. It matches up pretty good this week, Tyler. Uh, I'm definitely using Doyle. I think he's cash viable, and you can load up on him in tournaments as well.
3: Yeah, I agree immensely. He's a guy I almost want to go 100% in. Um, Only three tight ends. Saw more games with seven or more targets than Jack Doyle's nine games last year. He led all tight ends with a 23% market share of the team's passing offense, catching 74.1% of his passes. Bengals are a bottom 12 defense last year defending tight ends. They'll have the ninth most receptions, 11th most fantasy points. He's the top play by our tight end matchup chart and a guy, like I said, I'm locking in about 100%. Yep,
1: you can do, uh, who do we have here? So who's going to be covering him? I wrote him up earlier. I looked at this earlier. So he's got, uh, let's see hold on here one second. I can't find here. I wrote too many words. I'd have to search through this, Um, but the matchup. Yeah. We're not really worried about Eric Ebron either. Right. Because I think they're going to use a lot of two tight ends and use like two receivers. I think that's probably going to be their preferred package to start the season. Yep. I agree. sometimes sliding Ebron out into the slot as well. Yep. Uh, All right, Scott, let's get into yours. We just got a couple minutes left here. Uh, So give me a couple of your, your value plays. And then let's talk about one of your dud plays who, Used to be a funnel spot, and I think you have some evidence that uh, your dud might not be in the funnel spot it used to be. All
2: right, so that's a lot to say with, with so little time. Yes. Uh, I will say the correct answer is Jack Doyle. If Jordan Reed was 100%, it would be Reed, but I don't know that he's 100%. Uh, there's been some conflicting reports from Jay Gruden over the past week and a half. Uh, I also like Ricky Seals-Jones against Washington in a good matchup. Uh, who else are going to throw the ball to outside of David Johnson? And Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know. Uh, My dud is Austin Safarian Jenkins. He's hurt. He didn't practice today. Uh, It just feels like a trap. I don't think the Giants are a funnel any longer. Uh, They're now they're just bad everywhere except for (laughs) whoever Janoris Jenkins is covering. He also kind of sucks. He had 4.83 yards per target last year. That was 16th worst of 581 tight ends since targets became a stat.
1: Um, Tyler, you got a dud. You don't have one in the sheet here. You got one off the top of your head. ASJ
3: Uh, I'm I'm 100%
1: Doyle. I'm sorry. I'm stuck there. Yes, uh, (laughs) I agree with that one. So that's going to wrap it up for the pro football focus show. Uh, We're going to be here every Wednesday at nine o'clock. We used to be Thursday. We've moved it up because we have so much content here at Roto grinders. We had to move it up a day to fit everything in. So we'll be here Wednesday at nine o'clock. We'll be screen sharing some of the pro football focus stuff every week. You'll be hearing more spiels about Scott's actual opportunity We're going to have a real fun time looking at uh, some of the more advanced statistics that you might not hear about in your average podcast or your average article uh, that you come across in DFS. So, boys, it's been fun. we got to get out of here, though. We've got the next show coming up, so we're getting the boot. So thanks to Tyler and Scott for joining me uh, for 2018 NFL here at Roto-Grinders. Thanks to Pro Football Focus uh, for bringing you guys back. I am Britt Devine, and thanks to all you guys for watching. Uh, We out,